0: I have been in pinches before where it's like, I don't know how my warehouse rent gets paid next month. And something comes through.
1: If you're a person who's looking to have more purpose in your life, if you're saying to yourself, I don't wanna just go to work, I wanna do my life's work, this is the show. This is the show, don't keep your day job. How do you figure out how to take your passion and turn it into a profit? Thanks to Candid for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. You're one step away from getting straighter, whiter teeth. Take advantage of Candid's risk-free modeling kit guarantee. Plus, when you use my dedicated link, candidco.com dreamjob, you'll save 25% on your modeling kit. That's candidco.com dreamjob to get 25% off the price of your modeling kit. Candidco.com dreamjob. Thanks to Living Proof for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Switch to Living Proof today by visiting LivingProof.com slash Dreamjob and use promo code DreamJob to get a free sample of their award-winning dry shampoo with your purchase. Don't Keep Your Day Job is supported by Pocket, your space to absorb all the amazing content you find on the web. Fill the Pocket app with those articles, long reads, and videos that catch your eye and create a quiet corner to focus on your interests. Transform the way you read with Pocket from Firefox. Download from your app store. Thanks to Mgemi for supporting this podcast. Mgemi is redefining the luxury Italian footwear market by taking all things we love about the industry and leaving behind the luxury price tag. Go see for yourself how amazing these shoes are at mgemi.com slash dreamjob for $50 off your first pair. That's letter M-G-E-M-I.com slash dreamjob for $50 off your first Pair M. Jemmy Italian Luxury made the old way but sold the new way. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. I love you guys. I just want to say a huge thank you because we decided to start doing two episodes a week. This is about two months ago now. And we thought, all right, well, we're going to add a second episode. I don't know if it's going to be great. I don't know if people are going to listen. You know, you always have these sort of thoughts, but you know me, I just sort of go for it anyway and, and see what happens. I try not to overthink it. And, you know, the second episode we're doing every week is, it's different. You know, I'm not usually interviewing people. I'm usually speaking from the heart, telling you things that are going on in my life, getting pretty personal, pretty vulnerable, as well as sharing the wins that are going on in our community. And what's been so touching to me is not only are you guys listening to those episodes, but the listenership, the downloads of those second episodes are equal to the downloads of these interviews we do with these famous, amazing, epic authors and creative entrepreneurs who are making zillions of dollars. So it means so much to me. Thank you for supporting me. And I'm so glad that it's working, that you're feeling like you're connecting with what I'm saying, because that is why I'm doing this. I'm doing this because I think that pain is inevitable you know, there's going to be hard things in life, but I think the amount of suffering that goes on that we all do, I think it's so unnecessary. And I want to be here as a friend, as a voice to say to you, maybe we can sort of find a way that you can shift some of those thoughts, or maybe you can start having the the courage to do some of those things you've always wanted to do. And maybe it is all closer than you think, and maybe it is super possible. And maybe you are more awesome than you give yourself credit for. So I'm glad that it's working and thank you for letting me share what's going on in my life. You guys have been an incredible support. You guys have just been like the best friends in the world and I love you and thank you for your Instagram messages and your posts and your email messages. It means the world to me. All right. So on today's episode, We actually have a couple guests because this episode, we recorded it as a panel at the live workshop that we did. And you're going to hear from the brilliant designer, Patrick Kane, and my friend, Wayne Fetterman, who you might've heard back in the early, early days of this podcast. He was like maybe the third guest we had on the show. He's a comedian. He cracks me up all the time. It was super fun chatting with both of these wonderful souls on stage. So Patrick is the founder of Patrick Kane Designs. It's a design studio that creates these gorgeous pieces of furniture and not just any furniture. It's all environmental responsible. Like they use upcycled wood, metal pieces that are built to survive and style to last for years and years, concrete that can be lead certified. So everything he makes is good for your life, your home, your style. It's good for the planet. All of his furniture is designed, crafted, built, and created right here in Los Angeles by the hands of skilled artisans and craftspeople from all walks of life. He's been featured in Apartment Therapy, Architectural Digest, Esquire Magazine, and tons more places. And I couldn't believe this, but I had this party for my 100th episode, and he shows up to the party... And he's like, oh, I made something for you. And he brings out this amazing side table that he made. It's beautiful. I was like, what? That's an incredible gift. And it was so generous of him to take the time not only to to come to the party, but to bring that awesome table that he made. So Patrick, if you're listening, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're the best. Really appreciate it. Okay. Before we get to this, let's say thanks to one of our sponsors. Have you ever had a problem with your teeth that you've always wanted to fix, but you haven't had the time to go to the orthodontist and you don't want to break the bank? Well, I have an option that can help. Candid is helping people gain confidence through accessible and affordable orthodontic care. You can get straighter and brighter teeth in an average of six months and it costs 65% less than braces. What I love about this is that there are no office visits needed. Everything is delivered to your home and for busy people like you and me, this is super helpful because we don't always have the time to drive to that extra appointment. So I've always wanted to get my bottom teeth fixed when I Smile. Uh, my top teeth are straight because I had braces and wore my retainers, but my bottom teeth, I didn't wear my retainers. And my kids will suddenly be like, mommy, your bottom teeth are crooked. So this is a really cool option for me. And I thought that it would be cool to share it with you as well. And it's really cool because Candid only uses orthodontists while other aligner companies use dentists or dental professionals to review their customer aligner plans. So with Candid, you know, you're really getting help from the experts themselves. You're one step away from getting straighter, whiter teeth. You can take advantage of Candid's risk-free modeling kit guarantee. Plus, when you use my dedicated link, CandidCo.com/dreamjob, you're going to save 25% on your modeling kit. That's CandidCo.com/dreamjob to get 25% off the price of your modeling kit. CandidCo.com/dreamjob. Now, without further ado, here's my conversation with the incredible, super talented Patrick Kane. So, this is Patrick. Hello. And Patrick Kane, he's a designer. He makes amazing furniture. He's really successful. And it's, it's really cool. Very competitive field. He's done really, really well. You guys can look him up on Instagram and look at his stuff. And um, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you think you got to be doing as well as you are?
0: Um, so you couldn't really have two more different guests today <laughs> in that Wayne... It seems like he grew up knowing exactly what what he wanted to do. I have bumped around in every career path. I mean, he started as a pie baker when I was a kid at a restaurant, and then went on to be a hair model, a nuclear material.
2: (laughs) Uh, Really tough, really tough. (laughs)
0: Uh, Next was a nuclear materials engineer at Los Alamos National Laboratory. (laughs) Um, then I became a journalist for ESPN and a terrible newspaper that covers finance so I've kind of just always fell into things but I think so much of life is recognizing when you have an opportunity in front of you. I think there's a quote something like luck is seeing opportunity and knowing how to uh, act on it something to that extent but I ended up designing furniture simply because I was going through a bad breakup. I bought an apartment complex down near USC and I was slowly learning how to use tools. Like, literally, when I bought my building, I didn't know how to change the smoke detector, which to those who don't know how to change a smoke detector, you plug it in. (laughs) That's it. Now you
2: gotta rotate it. (laughs)
0: And I was going to replace the concrete walkway with these wooden stumps. And I was dating a girl at the time who, unbeknownst to me, had a mild case of multiple personality disorder. Yeah. um, And her stories that she would tell me just never quite made sense. But uh, my mantra at that time was, she's young, things are going to be a little eccentric. And I'd go outside, and I'd just sand this piece of wood over and over and over. (laughs) And it was just my form of therapy without having to pay somebody. So I ended up with this beautifully sanded, what's called a live edge looks like a tree slice, piece of wood. And I had met a guy through a girl I went on a few dates with who was a furniture designer. And I asked him, I was like, Brendan, what, what do you think? And he's like, oh, it looks like a table. You should put hairpin legs on it. I said, oh, yeah, of course. I went home, I Googled hairpin legs. Because <laughs> I didn't know what that meant. They're just the V-shaped things that you see in every mid-century piece. And then I became a furniture designer. So I don't know where your question started. <laughs> So Wayne and I have very different paths.
1: So first of all, how long ago were you sanding the? Uh, paper?
0: This was uh, like six years ago, probably.
1: You've become this successful in six years?
0: I don't know how you define success, but I've gotten here in six years. I've duped you enough to put me in a chair.
1: duped me because I'll tell you how I found out about you. I found out about you because my friend Jesse Bradder, Give her a little shout out. Jesse
0: Bradder, I yes
1: you don't. <laughs> no you don't she's the editor of a magazine um, a design magazine
0: oh no, she, she used to be at um, Lux
1: right I know.
3: she said to me
1: uh, I'm like who's the coolest person in design <laughs> I haven't had a, you know I had Jonathan Adler on, that's already a year and a half ago I want somebody else on she's like Patrick Kane have you seen his work And so I'm finding out about you from someone who lives in Miami, who's worked at multiple design magazines, is toured around the world to look at stuff. He's like, he's incredible. So that's how I found out about you. So I would say that that's being successful.
0: Well, I, I, right? I'm flattered.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, what do you think happened between what do you call them, hairpin?
0: Hairpin legs.
1: So what happens between that? and being able to make a living and sustain your life from
0: furniture So I, I, I want to kind of rephrase your question, kind of shape it the way I want to, because as a journalist, what kind of made my furniture career different is that I also, someone, someone's insecurity that they read out earlier was not having the right education. I literally have not had an art class since ninth grade when they forced you to because my sister actually is a very prominent artist and I never wanted to be in her shadow so I have no design training, no art background I went to school for materials engineering and journalism I got a really kind message years ago from somebody who said oh I love your work it reminds me of so and so so and so and so and so still to the day I don't remember who those so and so's were but I googled them and they were the fathers of minimalism. And I was like, oh, that's, that's a compliment. I'll take that. But what I did differently was, because I didn't have that background, because I didn't have, and excuse the loaded word, but the pretension of the education, I went really out of, out of way. So I first got notoriety and first got attention because I posted that first table I made on Craigslist. Because that's how I knew to sell things on Craigslist. It just so happened that Apartment Therapy used to do, which is a big design blog, used to do a post, a monthly post like Best on Craigslist. At that point, I literally had told somebody my end goal would be to end up on Apartment Therapy, and the first piece I made ended up on Apartment Therapy because I did something that no other self respecting designer would do, which is put their things on Craigslist. (laughs) And then the second thing I did was I decided to sell my furniture at the Rosewolf Flea Market. Which, again, no self-respecting designer labels themselves as a flea market person. But it gave me an opportunity, and I still do it to the day. You can see me next Sunday at the Rose Bowl Flea Market. It um, gave me an opportunity to get a free market testing, what I realized. I, wanted, I have a new idea. I want to get, see how people respond to it. I get thousands of people walking by every for every flea market, and it gives me a chance to, like, who responds to it and how they respond to it tells me whether or not I'm on or off my mark.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: So I think where, how I got to where I am is simply by taking the route not usually taken. I think in The Art of War, one of the things that it's written is, go where your enemy isn't. And high-end designers aren't at flea markets. High-end designers aren't on Craigslist, and in fact, my biggest client to the day, who she does, has designed over nine thousand hotels, and like I just passed down a job for the Cosmopolitan in Vegas, she found me at the Rose Bowl Flea Market. Yeah. I ended up doing pieces for Soho House, Soho House in Malibu, because of the Rose Bowl Flea Market. It's never what you were thought is the way to go, but sometimes a creative path ends up being a good shortcut.
1: We've talked. We talked yesterday morning about how sometimes you don't know what you want to do or where it's all going to come together. A lot of people listen to the podcast and they write to me and they're like, "You know, I'm frustrated because I'm listening to your show and all these guests have all this great advice, but I'm not even sure if I want to do photography or do you know pie baking or nobody's doing the nuclear material. Is it? Yeah. Um, so. We talked yesterday morning about how important it is to allow yourself to explore and be messy and reinvent yourself and stop things and start things. And most people don't have the courage or the stamina to be able to start and stop. They want to have answers. They want people to know sort of like this is me and this is who I'm not and this is who I am. But you um, stopped and started a few times. How did you do that? How did you have the courage to not care what other people were going to think and to go down one road and then be like, all right, I've already invested this much time, but it's not really speaking to me, so I'm going to change course. You did that several times.
0: Uh, Wayne had said earlier the idea of, like, not being afraid of no's. As a journalist, you get rejected so often. So I sent out hundreds of resumes to get one or two responses. I went into something extremely competitive, Uh and it gave me thick skin. Also, as being a journalist, something I've tell a lot of people is that like, everything we do is the ability to tell a story. Whether it's a stand-up act, whether it's me doing a visual storytelling with my products, or me telling my own personal story, it's how you package it. Everything we do is an arrow in my quiver for something down the road. Whatever that is, I don't know. But when I got started... It's probably two years into my furniture aspirations that Dwell, Dwell Magazine, Big Design Magazine, yeah. has their, was having their annual design show in Los Angeles called Dwell and Design. There's no way I can afford to display there. There's no way I'm paying for a ticket to go there. But I am a journalist. So at that point, I reached out. I got a press pass for Fast Company, who I was working for at the time. And I made sure I bumped into the editor in chief. And still to the day when she sees me, she reminds me that she remembers my exact line when I met her. I said, hi, I'm Patrick Kane. I know we don't have time to talk right now, but I'll be the only former nuclear materials engineer turned journalism that you'll meet today, probably. (laughs) And that line wasn't created on the spot. That was like something I was working out in my head, like I What has punch to it? What will stick? What creates a memory? And I was right. I got lucky on it, but I was right. And still today, she's like, ah, still the only one I met today, at least. Maybe tomorrow.
3: That's cute.
1: And so when you started making furniture, at what point, I mean, and I'm thinking that this is the case, but you can correct us if it's not. At what point were you like, oh, this is it? I'm not baking the pies and going to give it up. It's not that same story. This is it. Like, how did you know this is it?
0: When I realized that the furniture design route was going to stick, it was probably twofold. One, when I realized it had to stick, like I was getting to the point where I was in so deep that turning back was going to be really tough or restarting was going to be a little tough. But also when I started paying other people, when it came down to if I don't succeed, then these people don't get paid and they don't get their rents paid and they don't have groceries. Like when other people started to rely on me, it's when I realized this is, this is a real thing. This is happening.
1: Yeah. Okay. Before we go on, we're going to take a quick ad break. I have so many half empty hair products because nothing I've tried has lived up to its promise. But then I found living proof. I recently used their perfect hair day dry shampoo and I loved it. I loved it because lately with Instagram and going live on Facebook and all of the things I'm doing for this podcast, I have to go live in front of people all the time. And it's hard for me to get more than one blowout a week. And I used to like not have any time to get that done, but now it's like a must. So the dry shampoo allows me to have that blowout extend a few days longer than it otherwise would have. I love using their hair care products and I can actually feel good about using them because they don't use any silicones or parabens and they don't do any animal testing. Unlike other dry shampoos on the market, Living Proof doesn't just mask oil, sweat, and odors, but it removes them completely, leaving your hair looking clean, fresh, and ready to take on the day. Do what I did and make the switch to Living Proof today by visiting livingproof.com dreamjob and use promo code dreamjob to get a free sample of their award-winning dry shampoo with your purchase. That's livingproof.com dreamjob and the promo code is dreamjob for a free sample of their dry shampoo with your purchase. livingproof.com dreamjob, promo code dreamjob. So during the conversation, I could tell that Wayne had some questions for Patrick, so I let him go ahead and steer the interview for a minute.
2: Okay, the, the, here's my question. Of course, of course, the, what's sticking in my head. And then, you know, I was really down on my luck, so I bought a building. Uh, <laughs> and then, and then everyone, you just glossed over it. And I you was know, like, Wait a, wait, did he just say... <laughs>
0: No, that's a fair question. So, <laughs> so you know,
2: I, I I just bought my first house. Like, <laughs> the entire time with my the
0: <laughs> I moved to Los Angeles with sixteen hundred dollars in my bank account. Right. Immediately had a ball bearing in my wheel go out, which I didn't know existed, oh, and that was a two thousand dollar repair. Yep. So I was at negative 400, but I was living with my girlfriend, future ex-wife. No, this is (laughs) this is the future (laughs) ex-wife. It's it's fine. (laughs) I'm sorry, She and I were living in a place, paying each 550 bucks a month. So over five years, I tucked away some money, and in 2009, there was a market crash. In 2010, Uh, I got lucky because my landlord, who was like my West Coast father at the time, had been watching this building for 10 years. Okay. And so this will circle back to a point that everyone should, uh, I w- I'd like to share to everyone. I told him I was looking to move because there's just too many memories because we were getting a divorce. I just can't live here. And back and forth, back and forth, he's like, I have the perfect place for you. Because he had just sustained a neck injury where he's like, I can't do the plumbing anymore, but I can tell you how to do it. You should buy this. So I ended up with a place one block from the one block from USC, Four units for less than my parents paid for their two bedroom place in outside Albany, New York, yeah. because the market was just nothing. Uh, but that goes to something I cannot espouse enough right. in starting a business and being like chasing your creative endeavors, which is rely on your network. My fern- piece of furniture would never have been picked by apartment therapy if my best friend wasn't an incredible photographer. yes,
2: you talking if, about the Yes. Okay.
0: Uh, i would never been able to sustain my small business through its ups and downs if I didn't also have rental income coming in to help support. Like Everyone you know has something they can add and if some friends are just giving with it and other people you kind of have to coax. Right. Uh, one of my the, my roommate now used to be a designer at Nike so <clears throat> all my like my expansion into upholstery like he helps me with the sewing and he also is an incredible storyteller visual storyteller so our network gives us advantages of people who we can't otherwise afford
2: all right one more from you no no no, sorry do you no that was incredible I like so do you feel like it was kismet do you feel like it was just like everything you had done up until that point led up to because I come from the school of like find your passion and follow your passion and you said right from the start you're like I never even thought of furniture making as a kid it wasn't even on the yeah it wasn't even on the radar so this is the like the opposite of like being I guess being open now I'm not one of those the universe provides guys even though Jimmy Fallon came up to me and offered me that job which could be considered a like oh this is something I didn't expect but how do you feel about that, that this was something that was not even on your radar and now defines you as a person, or defines your career at this point?
0: I love it, actually, yeah. because I have found a way to essentially have a occupational non-monogamy. <laughs> I haven't been able to...
1: I need a <laughs> when you're uh, 15. <laughs> I'm like, I'm learning uh,
0: so say that word again. I said, essentially, I've created a lifestyle which is an occupational, non-monogamous relationship in that I don't have to commit to just one thing. So when furniture designing presented itself and someone started paying me money to do things, I was like, okay, we'll try this. We'll we'll give this a go. see how long it goes. And eventually, so when I, for that first table, I had bought 12 slices of wood. It was going to be 12 stepping stones up to my building and I sold the first one. I calculated out at paying myself five dollars an hour. I value my time, <laughs> and the tools that it takes to make this. I'd have to sell two pieces to be in the black. So it was always. Some people say aim high. I'm aiming as low as possible. Like I want the lowest hurdle and even able, able to feel good and successful. Like if my goal was to be the next cb2 i'd probably fail (laughs) like it's there's not many people who do that but a lot of people do end up selling two tables in a lifetime i am one of them
1: (laughs) yeah let's open it up so um who has a question who what are you thinking uh yeah go ahead Thank you guys so much. So I wanted to ask both of you guys about getting good. Because, like, Wayne, with you, I'm sure I listen to your podcast. It's been a while now. But, you know, getting rejected sucks. And you got to kind of go back and keep on honing your act. And I don't know. Like, are you getting angry? Like, I feel like you must be kind of pissed off. Like, what is kind of going through your head in the time when you're building your skill set? And then to contrast that with, like, Patrick, who's like... I went through a bad breakup. I healed myself, and now I'm really good in selling a lot of furniture. Like, I'm just wondering about like the process of getting good. What that looks like for both of you guys?
2: Well, I'm. I come from the sports. Like, if you talk to any guy on any team, they're always like, "We're just trying to get better for next week's game." Like, that's and that's my philosophy. Like, so it's it's not I'm good. It's just I'm just trying to get better. So I was never upset that I wasn't good enough or anything like that. I was just like, okay, I can do better than that, hopefully. And then I just kept going. I valued my products <laughs> at
0: where I thought it was worth, according to my skill set. So I have a table now that retails at 540 The first one I sold was at 150 Then the pro- process got a little bit better, became 200 250 300 and of course the expenses have gone up throughout the years but I will undersell the product in order to become good at it and the early buyers will know this is a prototype you are getting something that is not ready for game time but you're getting in early as a result you're getting a really good price so I've kind of structured my design process in a way that my customers are paying for me to get the education and the experience along the
1: way it's great I mean I feel like one thing that I hear consistently um, and it's been such an incredible education for me interviewing you know over a hundred people over the last less than it's been 20 months and um, the one thing that's really consistent no one's lazy like people work hard there's a, there's a respect for the work there's a a level of reverence for honing your craft and there's not this need for this immediate result it's 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 not going to last if it is. Um, And I think you both just spoke to that so beautifully. Like I was in the Hamptons, uh, really roughing it at my aunt and uncle's house. And uh, my uncle loves like old movies. He loves the Marx Brothers. And I feel like in a way, I got to give him a shout out because I grew up just watching your show of shows. I knew who Sid Caesar was. I knew good TV and I knew classics. I knew things that were great. I was back there last year. We were watching this Fred Astaire movie, and he was telling my kids, he's like, do you see this? Like, this was not it's not like today when things are shot and edited, like he's dancing like that. That's how he dances. And, um, and we forget what it takes to be great. We live in a time where people just, you know, they want to do things. They want to do things now. They want to be amazing. They want to get their followers. want, But to be great, to be ma- have mastery over something. It's, it's the long game. And there used to be a time where people had so much respect for greatness. And my uncle said, it's sad. Like in today's day, there's not that many people who you can even look to and say like that person is great that's greatness that person worked on their craft and so I I appreciate what you guys are saying because you're speaking to that to that point of of taking that time does anyone else have another question
4: I could really relate to what you were saying about furniture because I'm an aspiring neon artist or I am a neon artist um I mean up until (laughs) (laughs) this past month I've been working on it for a year and up until like just a few months ago. I didn't know what a cleat was, you know, like, and I'm still learning the electrical and the bombarding. And it's uh, similar, but different in the sense that to own my own studio, it's gonna take a lot of equipment, a lot of money, a lot of time. I can't do it at home. I have to go to a, like a museum on their hours when they're open. And now they wanna charge me to learn there. So do you have maybe any creative ideas on how to, you know, get through that? And because like, I'd love to go to flea market, I mean, maybe I could make small pieces and sell them, but you know, I just I'm struggling with that.
0: So essentially, the question is how to get over investment costs, and that's both time and money, because we, that's what we're limited on—is time and money. Um, not knowing the neon world, I would say that you need to find a product that can move, uh, small, large, whatever it is something that has a high return on value for you. So for me, I started with very simple minimalist designs, which happened, I just got lucky that that was starting to come into vogue at the time. And the minimalist for me, minimalist designs for me were the easiest to do also. There was nothing intricate about it to a degree. Now, a lot of people who, who design minimalist things would argue that less is more and that is true on many levels but when it comes to making a product if you can find something that can help sustain it's just kind of like background humming noise but instead of humming it's money coming in and that will give you the the chance to then invest it one piece at a time i personally never took out money never took out loans to do what I'm doing. I kept my project small. Uh, not to go on a tangent, one quick little side story is that about three years ago, Home Goods, uh, the brand that's owned by TJ Maxx, approached me, took me out to lunch, and told me they wanted to buy 500 of my concrete top side tables. And they had this whole plan, and they said, listen, the first order, you might lose a few dollars. The second order you'll break even, maybe even make some, but the third order, that's where you make the money. And I was like, I'm not taking a job that I'm going to lose money on. And I'm not taking a job that's diluting my brand value, which I personally believe home goods would have done. And I'm not taking a job that has that much risk, risk being that concrete breaks while you ship it. But it's kind of knowing what ventures to jump into and which ones to walk away from. Mm-hmm. And that will help focus you on how to get your shop space going get your your equipment up and running i appreciate you guys coming in and telling you know talking to us about your stories so i wanted to check out i'm not sure if this is a lie that i'd tell myself you know kath you talk about coming from new york now living in la wanting to get shipped out of la but also knowing you're being pulled in a bunch of different directions here you know wayne you talked about being from plantation right and then patrick you said that you did work in los alamos new mexico so could you all be who you are right now living in Los Alamos, in plantation, or somewhere other than a metropolitan city?
2: I would say now more than before the internet, definitely you could be anywhere. But where I, I had to go to New York to start my career, or in L- L.A. just to – like that was my – because I wanted to be an actor, and that's where the acting jobs were. But I, that, that's my take. But I feel now you could – you could do a show on the internet anywhere in the country. Again, we are opposite
0: guests.
3: <laughs> there
0: is no other city in America. I think I could have done what I'm doing. The factors because such as be, because
3: <laughs>
0: production costs are lower in Los Angeles. They are. They are. They they are. are. We used you know to be. Affordable city. Uh, it's. We used to have a <laughs> massive uh, manufacturing from the aerospace. So we have empty factories and. Em- and tons of guys with machines and the knowledge of how to make things we have Hollywood which one of my big advances in my work was that when my best friend was dating a guy who was a, a master makeup artist and prop maker he taught me how to do special effects and those plus my materials engineering background helped me develop a process to do concrete in a different way uh with different texture to do you think
2: it. You can do your podcast uh, any other place but here?
1: Yeah, I mean, what's fascinating is that most of the people I got to interview you in person and Matt from Scandal yesterday. He lives in LA. got to interview him in person. A lot of people are not in LA, so I'm doing the podcast. Jonathan Adler's in New York, so I was interviewing him over the computer, and we've done that with many, many guests. Sometimes people are, Jessica Huey was in London. I mean, we've just had people all over, which is amazing, and that is what's so cool about right now. Like, if you have a laptop and you have a phone, um, you can find an audience for a lot of things. Yeah, you want to say something?
2: Along those lines, there was a comedian that's so inspirational to me. His name's Bo Burnham. He just directed a movie called Eighth Grade. And he became famous doing stand-up in his bedroom in Hamilton, Massachusetts. So that became more famous than I did, who had been playing the clubs all those years, the whole thing. He was, like, using the Internet. And I just read an interview with him, and he's like, well, I had to direct this movie. I've never directed before. I learned how to direct well on YouTube tutorials. <laughs> <laughs> but in the same way that you learned how to put that leg on or whatever you learned from Googling it. I mean, obviously, I'm an L.A. guy, but the Internet has opened up a lot of opportunities. So I'll advise saying
0: yes and no. I could have done it elsewhere. If I was elsewhere, I probably would have gone a different direction. Uh, if I lived in the Northwest, I probably would have focused on wood-based furniture. But L.A., we have great welders, we have great special effects people, and that pushed me in a path, and recognizing that I shouldn't spend my time worrying about a wood chair that I can't develop at a affordable price pushed me in another way, which was the L.A. way. So I guess if I was somewhere else, I just would have gone a different direction within the field. I
1: do, I do want to say that While I could do the podcast now from anywhere, I don't think I would have started it anywhere. I think that, and this is something you can still do from where you are, but you have to be intentional about it. Ultimately, you need to surround yourself with people who inspire you. So if you're living in a smaller place and there's less people there. There might be less people who are going to be out of their comfort zone and then inspire you to get out of yours. So I think being in a big place like LA, people come here to fulfill their dreams. This is like, they think the, the streets are paved with you know, record deals and movie deals. And so a lot of artists and a lot of creative types come here. Mandy Moore was on the show. She's like, I came out with 500 bucks and like my Jeep, you know, and it's like a lot of people are doing that, which means you're gonna meet people who have big aspirations. Um, but if I was living in a, in a smaller town, then I would I would do things to proactively seek that, you know, my friend Chris Gillabo, he lives outside of downtown Portland, which is a smaller place. So he goes around the world. He goes to conferences. He meets up with people. He does cool things. He takes part of, you know, when they're gonna. He goes with his friends on excursions just to meet the other people who might be on those trips. You know, um, I would think about it that way because you want to open the door to, you know, connecting with other souls. Because God is that life changing. I mean, that's the thing about Los Angeles is that, you know, our overhead, it's expensive. We live, uh, you know, a big life in a big place, and it makes you, I feel like it's made me work harder in a lot of ways. It's pushed me. I don't know if I would have actually been as successful. Maybe I would have taken it easy a little bit more. Um, But also, the people I've met that we've got to stop and acknowledge. But you can definitely make that something that you understand and then do something about that so i think you can be smart about it okay let's take a quick moment to thank a couple more sponsors Don't Keep Your Day Job is supported by Pocket, the app for reading, watching, and listening to all the amazing content you find on the web. If you love podcasts, you're going to love Pocket's new listen feature. Any article you've saved can be read out loud, so the rest of you is free to cook, commute, work out, walk, or just relax and listen. Transform the way you read with Pocket from Firefox. You can download from your app store or at getpocket.com. There's no substitute for luxury Italian footwear, unparalleled quality, incredible style shoes you just don't see every day. But to get this type of luxury, you usually have to pay a luxury price. Well, at least you used to have to. That's why I wanted to tell you about M. Jemmy. M. Jemmy is Italian luxury made the old way but sold the new way, merging time-honored Italian shoemaking with a modern customer experience. So the shoes that I picked out were the Lustro super beautiful. I had to go to a party last week for Alex Benayan's book launch and I wore them and I got a couple compliments. Their shoes are handcrafted in the same family-owned workshops in Italy where items from the most well-known luxury brands are made. But because of their direct relationship with the workshops, you get the same quality shoes as all those luxury brands at a third of the price. And they have a ton of shoes to choose from. In fact, they have this thing called the Monday Drop where they drop brand new limited edition shoes every single Monday. So you don't have to wait a whole season for new collections and trends to come out. Plus, shipping is complimentary and returns and exchanges are free and easy. Go see for yourself how amazing these shoes are at mgemi.com slash dreamjob and you'll get $50 off your first pair. That's letter M-G-E-M-I dot com slash dreamjob for $50 off your first pair. Mgemi, Italian luxury, made the old way, sold the new way. So the next question from the audience was about how to dissolve your ego when you're up against a big opportunity and how to deal with rejection.
2: Yeah, it always takes me, like, a day or two to get get over stuff like that. But I do, like, just last week, like, I'm a successful comedian. I was in Manhattan Beach working at a bar to work on some material. And, like, which would maybe be, some people would think, like, that's below your level. It's like, I like getting better. Like, so I, all the time, I'm just like, if I'm doing this just to get better, I just feel like I'll do it and just check I hate to use that term, check my ego, not even that I even have one at this point, but it's, <laughs> we, 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 you know what I mean? So if you can kind of like make it about just you're on your own path and not worry about that. It's so hard. I, 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 it's hard. It's hard.
0: I think one of the things that helps me with rejection, I mean, this is months of therapy probably they need to go into for this one alone. Just I don't ever believe people. Like, I don't get my hopes up. I'm just, I've been rejected so much or people are like, oh, we'll, we'll follow up. And it's just like, you don't. You don't. But whatever. There's another person. Another time. Uh, there will be more songs sold, more songs written, more tables made, more projects to pitch later. And I guess it's not putting too much stock in any one thing. Uh, something that really my mother reminds me most of. I have been in pinches before where it's like, I don't know how my warehouse rent gets paid next month. And something comes through. Something will. Something will, as long as you are not uh, being reckless with your spending, as long as you're keeping it in check. Like, you can get by. Just don't put too much stock in any one project. And it might be easier for me to say because I sell small things.
2: I, I, real quick, I know there's other questions but real quickly just something I think about the Seth Rogen thing is a perfect example is that book The, uh, the Four Agreements don't assume right like don't assume and don't take it personally. it's not like Seth Rogen hates me obviously he does but uh... <laughs> <laughs> But you, you know what I mean it's like don't assume I think that's great just like be in whatever the now who's that Eckhart Eckhart oh, yeah. Tolle
1: Yeah. And I, uh, my husband always says, he's like, you have the will of a small country. And, um, he doesn't mean it as a positive thing. (laughs) You know, he like sees me, like get that look in my eye and be like, I have an idea that we should move to. And he's like, Oh God. And she's not going to let up until we do it. Like I, I'll make a lot of things happen. And I, I sort of look at things the way you do. Like, even though I'm I'm a believer in God and the universe and all that. I, I believe like he gives us the tools, like he puts it in our hands. You know, it's up to us to go ahead now and, and make it happen. So when things don't happen, I'm like, fine, I'm just going to do it again. I'm just going to do something else I'm gonna try something else. And I, I put that full accountability and it's, awesome because it actually empowers you. Because I don't look at things as like luck or like this just happens, never. Like I look at it like you get the results that you really want. So there's so many things. I mean, most things are not working out. Like for the Mandy Moore, Jenna Fisher, Jonathan Adler, Wayne Federman, Patrick Haynes who are here, there's many people who are like, no, or calls back, or well, you know. I wrote the end title song to a very cool movie. I was there, I got a private screening, and everyone said yes, the director, the producer, the head of the soundtrack department, this is amazing. This is gonna break your career. You're gonna be like Katie Tunstall at the beginning of Devil Wears Prada. That, that, that broke her whole career suddenly i see that was the song anyway at the very last minute the movie was already made they were about to release it the song was in we had already seen it it was done deal very last minute glenn hanser do you guys know who he is yeah. he says to the director who's friends with i'll write you a song for the movie <laughs> and i swear i was like i already went we went to the thing we saw the screening it's there it's in the movie And there it was, gone, just like that. And so I'm like you, like I don't care anymore. I'm totally numb to it. Um, If people say they're going to do things, like, okay, say it or don't. It doesn't matter because while you're figuring out if that's going to happen or if it's not going to happen, I'm already doing the next thing, and I'm going to do 16 things. And then people are like, oh, I'm so sorry, I never got back to you. I'm like. I don't even remember that you didn't get back to me because, like, I'm not even waiting for it. Like, I know that sounds, like, weird, but it actually makes me happier. Um, That's really how I live my life. And thankfully, because that's the only reason I could be here, you know? One of our uh, podcast guests early on uh, is a teacher of mine. His name is David Sachs. He's also a writer. He helped create Third Rock from the Sun, Malcolm in the Middle, and a few other great shows. And he said something to me recently that I just thought was so to this point he said imagine if you had a remote control and when you press a button it can make you happy or if you press another button it could make you miserable like yeah he goes would you ever hand over that remote control to any random human being who just walked into the door like go ahead make me miserable make me happy he's like of course not. He's like you don't do that. Except he said every single day. He goes, I see every person I know just hand over their well-being to someone who like didn't respect them, who didn't say hello the right way, who didn't call them back. And he's like that's the most dangerous stupid thing I've ever seen and people do it every day, multiple times a day, and then they take their whole life they're like, what happened? Where did it go? So happiness is an inside job. You have to decide, you have to choose. Like, I'm gonna be happy. But I think that we have to make today. In fact, you could do it right now. It's really actually simple. You can decide right now, October 5th, at this time, four o'clock in the afternoon. You just decide from here on out. You're gonna be in control of your own happiness. You're not handing over the remote to anyone else that's it it doesn't matter if they like it if they don't like it this person breaks up with you you're never ever ever going to be successful as an entrepreneur as a human as as a spouse if that's what's going on so we can make that decision I swear it's really that simple you make a decision and you see yourself being the kind of person and then when you start going back to that old thought those those mindsets you go that's not who I am that doesn't line up with the person I am now who I choose to be and you will stop you will stop and you'll remember that you made that decision and you'll keep going back to it All right. Well, that was super fun. Here are some takeaways. Number one, sometimes it's a blessing to not have the pretension of an education. The creative path of Craigslist and flea markets can become a great shortcut. Number two, tell your story. Your story is what makes you stand out. Number three, rely on your network. Everyone you know has something they can add. Your network gives you advantages you couldn't otherwise afford. Number four, create a product that will sustain your startup costs. Number five, keep your spending in check. Number six, it's okay to say no to the ventures that are too risky and dilute your brand. Don't be afraid to walk away. Number seven, don't put all your stock into one project. If you're waiting on a reply, go find the next opportunity. Something will come through. And number eight, your happiness is your responsibility. All right. So our first live taping of Don't Keep Your Day Job is this coming Thursday, November 1st, and seats are still available. If you go to don'tkeepyourdayjob.com slash live, you can find a form to sign up and get your seat. It's going to be so much fun. It's going to be you, me. Some amazing guests, there'll be time for Q&As and an incredible musical performance. All of this for only 10 bucks. So please come and join us. And if you can't make it to this one, don't worry. There's gonna be a few other dates coming up. Uh, you can find all of that information at don'tkeepyourdayjob.com live. And we'll have that link also in the show notes here. We have another event coming up on November 15th and a couple more in December. Also, we're inviting the meetup groups who are making awesome strides to come to LA and we'll give you a chance to come on stage and share what you're working on and we can workshop your ideas a little bit. So let us know if you've been in one of these meetup groups and you'd like to come out to one of these live performances and get up on stage and tell me a little bit about what you're working on and we can sort of brainstorm a little bit more and tease out maybe ways to grow this business and grow this dream job. So if you want to join one of those meetup groups, there will be a link to that also in the show notes, or you can email us at hello at don'tkeepyourdayjob.com and let us know that you're interested and we'll connect you to people who are local to you, who can become your support team, your sounding board, and ultimately your cheerleaders helping you push the needle forward on this incredible idea that's been sitting inside of you and it's time to bring it out into the world. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. Please subscribe. Uh, Please share the show. Take a second right now. and go ahead and email the episode or text the episode or text any episode or or send it to somebody. DM it to someone. Um, it really, really helps us, like you wouldn't believe. Follow me on Instagram at Kathy.heller. I'll be doing a couple of giveaways this week. I tend to give away anthropology gift cards because I just find that it's everybody's happy place. Uh, so come on over, follow me at Kathy.heller. I respond to all my DMs. So you can go ahead and, and DM me there if you want. I'll leave you with another song of mine, and I'll talk to you guys on Thursday. And hopefully I'll be seeing you guys in person on Thursday at our live taping at the Hudson Theater in Los Angeles. It's 10 bucks. Get your tickets. Can't wait to to see you guys there. Talk to you Thursday. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com.
3: Everybody.